Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is episode 219, The Italian Character in American Cinema. I've always wanted to do a show like this for, for quite some time, but, you know, in the other uh, uh, literary format, it was much more difficult because we were just trying to stick with literary, and I'm still doing that, but... You know, I, I do want to spread out more into other subject matters, and this is really one of those. It'll still be artistic, but it also has a, a real cultural uh, tinge to it, I believe. And, and it's definitely a show I would uh, I would have some fun with as, as well, uh, being that it's it's more more personal and more closer to the heart than, you know, if I'm talking about Jane Steinbeck or something. Okay? Now... We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly in this sort of thing because there really is a good mixture of everything. Uh, the Italian uh, character in American cinema, uh, in many, many ways, uh, starts off uh, with people having a perception about the Italians as a culture that's not always the same as reality, okay? And, I, and I'll give you a good example, okay? You know, um, for, for many people who don't either associate with Italian folks, know anybody Italian, or the Italian is just a person on the, on the TV screen or the movie screen, you know, while either, we're either boxers or, um, debt collectors, uh, on the street or mobsters or assassins or, or, I don't know, weird hookers with tight dresses. Okay. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of positive things <laughs> about the average Italian uh, character. And, and, and ironically enough, um, cause we have our own, we have our own hand in, in the demise, you know, of, uh, of how we, how we look is you have a lot of uh, Italian directors and, and Italian actors that are involved in that too. So, as much as they're in many other roles, and what we'll talk about that, they're also in those particular roles as well. I think to help us understand that more, I'd like to go back to what Samuel L. Jackson had said. Now, he's an African-American actor, but he had something curious to say because they asked him about, you know, uh, a lot of the negative roles that, that are, are played by, by black actors, and sometimes those roles uh, could reinforce, uh, you know, negative uh, racial stereotypes. And one of his big roles was he was like a drug addict in, in one of Spike Lee's movies. And he did such a tremendous job in that they even made a special award for him, you know, at the Cannes Festival. That, that's how great of a job he is. And he, I think he remarked, and I'll, and I'll paraphrase it, but he remarked is, sometimes you just gotta take what's given to you and make the best out of it. And that's pretty much what he did. You know, I, I'm sure in his heart he's like, oh my god, I gotta play a drug addict. They don't have anything else for me to do. But, you know, you gotta start somewhere, you gotta do something to get out of there. Of course, he's not doing those same type of roles anymore. God bless him. But, I think in many respects, that's how a lot of Italian actors have had to go about things. Now, one of the best roles 
for uh, for Italian actors and, and for Italian perceptions, good and bad, was the role by Sylvester Stallone that what he did Rocky. Now we get a lot of crap about Rocky. Everybody's always saying Adrian, you know, every five minutes someplace, you know, and it, it gets old. It's almost as old as Marco Polo, Marco Polo, you know. But the truth about that role is because sometimes. Italians can be really depressed on themselves <laughs> instead of seeing a, a bigger picture and stuff, you know? You know, I, I remember listening to my father saying, God, can't they have anything more important for Italian people? I mean, do you, do you know how much we did in the Renaissance and, my God, all the things we invented? This is what he'd say all the time. And I can I can give you some of that on this show. I'll give you a little list. So I want to honor um, what he has to say, even if it was kind of funny. All right? And, and he's right. Don't get me wrong. My father was right. But there's a lot of positive things in Rocky that sometimes we seem to forget or, or, or we ignore, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. He's not a nuclear scientist in the movie, okay? All right? He's, he's an average guy with, with a dream, you know, uh, to, to maybe meet a girl and get married and, and have a decent job. That was it. He didn't have anything more than that. But wasn't a bad person. In fact, a, a little bit more of an upbeat person than your average people out there. We could, definitely should give him, uh, the actor in, in, in the role itself some credit just for that alone. You know? He discovers he can box. He's not too sure about it like anybody else. You, you know, you're taking a, a huge chance on it. You know, he finally gets a manager that does have some belief in him that he could do something. Even though the guy was a pretty rough guy, but still. And, he does a lot of, lot of wonderful things in the movie. And I think sometimes we forget that. We, we forget that, you know, he's a decent man to that, to that shy girl he, he, he's really fallen for and later that he marries. Not a, not a jerk, a decent man about the whole thing. I, I, you'd want to call him, if you want to call him a gentleman, I'd have no problem with that at all. I'm sorry that the stereotype of a gentleman is somebody with perfect English or, and, and, and a lovely suit or something, but you know, his English is not perfect, okay? We're Italian. <laughs> it's never going to be perfect, all right? And he, he definitely, I don't even think he owns a suit, all right? I, I don't think so. But nevertheless, he's, he's a decent man towards that towards that young girl, you know? And, and he respects what she's trying to do with the pets, and, and, and he really, really does fall for her. He's not sure about his own abilities, but hey, he is still out there trying to do something with his life. He meets all kinds of different characters. He even puts up with with, with uh, eventually his wife's crazy brother, who who who, who, who his own right is is a drunk, a bigot, and a big dummy. I mean, that, that's who that guy is. Unfortunately, he puts up with that guy to a certain extent. But those things don't rub off on on the Rocky character because the Rocky character is not someone who cares about drinking, doesn't care anything about bigotry. Yet you'll note in all the movies that Rocky did, he's somebody that tries to get along with people. He's not out there calling people's names. He doesn't care if you're black, white, different, or whatever. He respects ability. He respects people who, who, who know how to carry themselves properly. He respects people that are simply trying to get their job done and, and, and follow out with their word because that's the kind of person he is. That's a man of character, and, and, and I always felt that, yeah, you, you got that whole boxing stereotype for Italian type thing going on there. You do. You're going to have people saying, Adrian, probably one day when we land on Jupiter. There'll be somebody saying that, you know, in one of the, one of the caverns we go to when we find dead aliens or something. They'll still be saying that. But hey, 
there's a lot of great things with that movie and a lot of wonderful things. It, it, it really shows somebody that, that goes from, from almost nowhere up to someplace important in life. And he only did it through hard work and believing in himself and being decent and having a, a wonderful woman on the side who in many, many respects throughout the entire series does whatever she can to try to help him and, and back him and help him with his confidence and that psychological, you know, boosting that sometimes that only a woman can give you. I mean, he's got a crabby old coach slash trainer that helps him too. But I'm just talking about some of the more positive things in life. He got, he got that because of the kind of man that he is. And that, I think, makes him very wonderful in, in, in cinema. And, and to me, even with all the things they want to say about that particular character, I still find it to be a very positive Italian character in cinema. And I hope folks will see the same because I even watched it with my sons. And it was wonderful to do because I wanted them to see something that was positive. And they saw the same thing too. Probably they saw it in better eyes than we did because they wasn't all uh, that impressed with uh, the Adrian thing or all the other nonsense. They were just impressed with the fact that, you know, he carried himself uh, like a decent, honorable man and, 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 and tried to achieve a goal. You know, and those are the things you want people to learn in life. Those are the things I certainly want my son to, uh, to, to learn and to carry on with as, as they're growing up to be Italian men. And of course, it's a good example to see how you can treat a woman properly and respectfully and still, still gain her trust and still fall in love and, and still do the right thing. You don't have to act, you know, like some, some street thug. You don't have to act like some crazy rapper on the radio. You certainly don't have to act like somebody out of Showtime. Uh, you can actually have some, some manners and some respect and you can be a man and, and, and things will come, come to pass that are positive because of all that you put into it. I don't know if we teach enough of that in society anymore and then we wonder why people act the way they do. Again, it's about leadership. <laughs> Starts from the father and it goes on from there, you know? Not that there's not a mother involved, but I'm just talking about in terms of young men. You know, they really get the most influence from, from, from the father and from, from older men. Okay. Alright, next here. Uh, we have a number of roles, sure, definitely, uh, that have all of the earmarks of the stereotypes for Italians. So you're gonna have your, you know, your gangster roles th throughout, uh, uh, Americans, uh, who happen to be Italian descent in American cinema. There's, there's no way around that. No way not to talk about that without without being strange. And quite frankly, I am not like one of those Italian people from New Jersey, where I'm actually originally from, that like to run to the suburbs and then pretend, you know, they never had grandparents who sold food on the corner. You know, change their names and stuff and, you know, they want to be uh, a wasp or something. You got me. But we got a lot of folks out there like that. Maybe some of them will even listen to this show. You know, it's, it, it's shameful that we got folks like that out there, but I'm not one of those people. And the reason why I'm not one of those people is for two reasons, all right? The first reason is I am never interested in glorifying people that, that do this for a living, that are criminals. So I don't. I tell my son the same way. Yeah, we got people, unfortunately, in our culture that act this way. All cultures do. So it's not like we're special that way. We're just made more special, unfortunately, because of Hollywood and, 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 the, and the TV screen. So that, that stuff continues to get perpetuated like we're the only group out there on earth that has people who are criminals. 
<laughs> it's a, it's a sad, uh, unfortunate reality that you got people that actually think that, you know. Uh, so that's the first reason, of course. So I don't I don't glamorize or romanticize them at all. I don't because I'm not interested in that. But guess what? I'm not interested in denying that they exist. I'm not going to run away from that because somehow I'm deeply ashamed. You know, like like Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani used to do. Here's another uh, a wonderful Italian fellow, but that used to be some of his uh, psychological thinking why he went after mobsters. Oh, they, they shame my culture. Oh, they embarrass me. You know, I don't know. I always thought he should come up with a better reason, like they're friggin' criminals and they kill people and they need to be put in jail. You don't really need to mention the Italian part at all, to be honest with you. You don't. I'm not embarrassed uh, and my culture is dragged down because of these people. I'm not. I have to correct somebody about something with the Italian culture. I got no problem doing that. I'll do it all day long if I have to. But I'm not secretly going back to my house saying, God, I really wish they didn't put the Sopranos on and I'm really, uh, I can't believe that, you know, uh, Frank Costello was a horrible, uh, pimp and, and murderer and now the Italian culture is down the drain. It's just idiotic. It's paranoid that has no basis for anything, you know. And of course, I'm disappointed that you still got a lot of this crap in the, in, in the cinema. And I do whatever I can to write a show or to mention to somebody, you know, you need to tone that crap down. You know, you don't think after 100 years it's getting tiring, you know, really. But that's all you could do. And that's it. I mean, but do I think it's destroying the Italian culture? No. I know it doesn't help with the image. And all you can do is continue to fight it the best way you can. But you can't overthink it and you really can't overfeel it. And going back to the suburbs and changing your name and pretending that Italian and your grandfather, your grandfather didn't come here you know, and land at the Statue of Liberty Island or something, Ellis Island, it's, that's a little going too far here, okay, really, you know? Then I wonder if you're just ashamed of being Italian, period. Because unfortunately, being Italian means you're going to have to listen to some of this crap every so often. You're going to have to watch some of this crap every so often. You're going to have to answer for it sometimes, even though I got nothing to do with any of this stuff. You know? I grew up in New Jersey. There was people like that in my neighborhood. Guess what, folks? I didn't travel them around and be mystified by them. Just took my father's lead. Those are criminals. You don't want to bother with them. Go about your life. They won't bother you. Guess what? That's the truth, actually. Okay? It's not like Hollywood. They're trying to convert everybody over to their side. They don't even want to know you or care about you, okay? And I'm sorry to say, as rough and crude as it might sound, uh, the only people that really get hurt by these people are people that actually get themselves involved with them. You know, like asking them for favors or borrowing money from them or hanging out with them in, in some kind of capacity. Uh, you're going to get hurt. You might even get killed. Okay? That's just the way it is. You know? And unfortunately, I've known people in my neighborhood that happened to as well. And guess what? Everybody just like me and my family, all the other Italians I know, nothing happened to us. You know why? Because we wasn't interested in getting involved with them. And guess what? They wasn't interested in people like us either. That's just the way it works. That's the reality of it all. And it's not very sexy. It's not really like meant for Hollywood, but that's just the truth of, of Italian-American existence. You're going to see them, you're going to know them sometimes, and you're going to not care about them as you're going to have a sandwich. And that's about that. So we'll talk about that, all right? We got a number of roles over here. And, and many of these actors, they've, they've asked them the same thing. And some of the directors, too. You know, like Francis Ford Coppola or... 
you know, they asked him about, hey, you don't think that you're perpetuating uh, the, the Italian stereotype of mobsters and, and all that, you know, in the Godfather series? You know, and he mentioned some of the things that sometimes people don't really see in those movies. He mentioned that, that the family element. And I don't mean the family of mob. I mean just the family element. Just, uh, if you think about the, just the, the core of your own family in these things, it, it's not really that much different than the average family. You know? You got the crazy sister. You got the wimpy brother. You got the, you know, the, the hard head, the hot tempered brother. You know what I mean? You, you, you got, you got the weird uncle. You got the drunk cousin. I mean, everybody has somebody like this in their family. So please don't tell me you don't. Because everyone does. They, they all do in one, one respect or another. Nothing unusual about that. Uh, Coppola also mentions, and, and I noticed that, I, I noticed that first on, but he mentions it and it's good for other people to hear, uh, that uh, there's a lot of the Italian culture itself inside the movies. Remember, we get to see an Italian wedding, we get to see an Italian baptism, we get to see Italian funerals, all the sort of major events in the Italian life, in the Italian style, you see that you see that in the movie. Yeah, sure, they're integrated into the storyline, but nevertheless, you get to see that. That's still part of an Italian experience. And I'm not suggesting that you know, if you want to see an Italian wedding, you have to watch an Italian mob movie, <laughs> you know. But nevertheless, that is there, and he put that in there, and he put that in there for a reason, because he understood, you know, that. Some of the things that we're going to say about him, good and bad, you know, you're going to hear that. You know, why are you Italian guy doing these Italian mob movies with a bunch of Italian actors and blah, blah, blah. But the truth of the matter is, Mario Puzo, uh, who, uh, an Italian writer, who wrote the, uh, The Godfather, he made it very clear that, hey, I'm, I'm simply writing a story about things that has already happened in many of these mob families that have been around for some time. As you know, by the 70s and 80s, they started getting destroyed. Uh, between, uh, you know, the, just like Rome, you know, you, you get too big for your bridges and then you, you explode. And next thing you know, you're done. You know, they don't really exist in any kind of serious element anymore. I mean, in fact, other gangs probably do more damage than they do, you know. But, um... By the 70s, 80s, then most of those families were all destroyed, you know, taken down, either killing themselves or gone to jail or got caught for racketeering, that whole RICO thing that Nixon, uh, President Nixon put out, that really put together a lot of power for, for authorities to, to grab people and, and put them in jail from wiretaps and witnesses turning and, you know, and all of that and get, got rid of a lot of that sort of stuff. But quite frankly, just like any other culture, Especially an immigrant culture like the Italian culture coming here, and you'll, you'll see other cultures who have come here too. They've had these sort of gangs, these sort of groups for a while, uh, that at one point used to serve as their protectors because the system wasn't protecting uh, Italians and other groups that came here. Oftentimes it was discriminating against them or harming them in some fashion. Or other groups that came here before became established and, and wind up hurting them. So groups like that used to be protective places, places to go where if you needed some help. You know, unfortunately, like anything else, power goes to people's heads and they wind up doing bad things. And, and that's that's just common with everybody. You know, just that uh, I guess with Italian people, we're a little bit more um, organized about it, <laughs> and we're definitely a lot more flashy about it. So. Kind of helps uh, and it hurts us at the same time, you know. I remember telling one of my uh, um, friends one time that was asking me about that, and uh, he's like, uh, 
You guys were the original, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's, Italians are probably the OG of the OG. So any gangsters out there on the street right now saying you were the original gangster, uh, wrong. <laughs> You're just copying from what Italians did a long, long time ago. Now, as much as we are kind of like talking about racial stereotypes and maybe even sometimes laughing about them, and you know, they're not really laughing matters. It's just we understand that more than more than other people on, on how how dangerous they can become, and and they still are. You know, a, a, a persistent issue. You, you're still still. See, I mean, I, you got that guy from Friends, Joey or whatever his name's supposed to be. I mean, he still sounds like an idiotic Italian uh, stereotype, even when he goes on new, does a new show. It's like he can't stop sounding the same. I don't know. I, maybe he's not allowed to be somebody else. I'm not really sure. Or maybe it's just he's just the stick he has. He it does get old. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes you look at something and go. God, they couldn't come up with anything else but that. So, yeah, it, it does. But um, um, I feel fortunate that we've had a lot in Italian cinema in the United States that really helps, uh, I felt, display more of the range of our characters and even the range of our, of our culture. You know, we had... We had the famous uh, Rocky uh, Marciano as the boxer, and then we had the famous Jake LaMotta that 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 our uh, Italian actor Robert De Niro played. Again, there's another boxing movie, a movie that came out way way before actually uh, Rocky did, and uh, where Rocky is simply an amalgamation of all different types of Italian fighters and etc. And then you know, whatever Salome was trying to invent with it, you know, um, the the, uh, the Raging Bull movie about the. the the life of uh, Jake LaMotta, the Italian boxer. Well, that was based on who he really was. Uh, a very, uh, very, uh, temper, temper tantrum, uh, violent individual that, uh, that really gave people beatings in the ring. Now, besides the whole, you know, Italian people have bad tempers and they're violent, <laughs> which is some of the message you get out of there. There's still a lot of positive things about that, things that we, we overlook. And one of the things you, we do overlook is, is simply this. And, and it's not just for the defense of, of Jake LaMotta. He, he was who he was. He was a boxer. It's a violent sport. You know, it's almost like criticizing a, a player because they're, they're carrying a bat. They need that to hit the ball. That's the sport. But he has a bat in his hand. It's almost like that, you know? People will get upset. He hit a lot of people. Uh, yeah, he's a boxer. Uh, I would hope he would because he wouldn't be around too long if he didn't. That's what they do. They hit people. But I think the movie does a great job of showing where he came from, what he was trying to do, and understand that many times in many fields, I don't care what it is, People have certain weaknesses. They have certain weak points about them that they might not be able to actually fix. But because they identify them, that really allows the person to compensate in a different manner. That helps. You know, it, it's almost like the uh, the guy that doesn't feel he's tall enough for some of the girls he wants to date. So he might put on a better suit, or he might have a, a slicker line, or a cool joker, or, or, or somebody that simply is more charming. Other things he's using in order to compensate for the fact that he feels he's shorter in height. Now that could all just be an illusion, and maybe some girl says, I don't care, I just like where the way you are. But unfortunately the world can be very superficial. This is what people do.
and Jake LaMotta and in in defense of some of the stuff he did in the ring was you have to understand that this was not a big punching kind of guy. Fighters have different styles. They have different equipment they go into the ring with. They all don't have the same things. They just don't. You're going to have some that are faster, some of the stronger. Well, this is not one of the guys that had that big punch. He was kind of like that reverse. Um, you know, it'll come to me in a second. But because he was just a boxer and he didn't have that big punch to really knock somebody out a lot, what he did was he sort of chased people in the ring and, and did a flurry of, of hits. A flurry of, of moves that people didn't like. They, they thought it was bullying. They thought it was too aggressive, which I don't know what the hell that means. You're a boxer. You got to get hit, and they got to hit somebody, but you're too aggressive. What does that even actually mean? Don't I don't know. But that was his his style. It, it's what, it was his path to victory because that's where he found in his own self that was going to allow him to win fights and stay in that business. That's what he did. Because he understood he didn't have that kind of power shot, uh, like a like a Roy Jones Jr. or even um, a, a Mike Mike Iron Tyson. Remember, he was like a reverse Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson was the fighter that had the huge hit, boom, and you're down, and that's the end of the fight. Sometimes in the, in the first or second round, but when you look at something like that. You also understand, too, that this is not a fighter, when they have that big punch, that has enough conditioning or enough skills to go longer. Because one of the problems with knocking people out early is you don't get the body experience, or you don't get that talent experience, you don't get to push yourself that much. So when you finally get a, a fighter that can take your shots or can avoid your shots and keep you in there longer and longer and longer, well, guess what? You start looking weak because you can't handle all the other stuff that's going to be happening next. I don't know, like going five, six, seven rounds. That's one of the problems with, with Tyson in the end. That's that's really what destroyed him. You know, besides, you know, a turbulent personal life. But nevertheless, that's what LaMotta discovered. And this is what they, they make sure that you understand in the film, which is really great because that's really a part of the human condition that you do what you can to make sure that, I don't know if you want to necessarily call it hide your faults or your, or your weaknesses, but you, you obviously cannot play on them because they're going to ruin you. You have to go with some other strategy. It's just that simple. You know, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, you, you have to walk around with one eye because you're never going to have another eye again. So you got to figure out, you know, how to go about life that way. Eventually people do. It's the same thing. So I, I like that those are the, some of the positive things that came out of that. Yeah, it's a boxing movie. People get hit. Yeah, he's an Italian guy and he's violent. Okay. <laughs> we got a few more movies that the same thing's going to happen, all right? All right, Godfather, one of the, the, the classic of the movies. A movie that, one of the few movies in the history of, of cinema. That's the first and the second movie won uh, Oscars for Best Picture back-to-back. Just, it's just unheard of that sort of thing to happen. But you got tremendously great writing in there. You got some of the best actors that they can ever be. You got Robert De Niro. You got Al Pacino. These are uh, Italian actors, by the way. Okay. You got, you, you, you got a, a bunch of other, uh, wonderful actors in there. Um, most of them Italian. 
uh, you got a couple of not uh, James Kahn, great, great job in the, in the uh, Irish fellow, uh, Irish Jewish fellow, uh, not an Italian, but you know you can't tell just a, a wonderful job that he did. You know, and, and I, like I mentioned before, it's still we're not trying to sidestep mob violence, and we're not trying to sidestep the story itself or the fact that we have Italians in it, and there's a racial connotation to that kind of behavior. Um, it's still an American story about the American dream, about a man that doing whatever he can to take care of his family. That's those are the skills he has. If you remember from the second film, uh, Mr. Corleone wasn't even trying to be a mobster. He didn't start off doing that. He's just a guy working in a store trying to get his way around raising his family. He did what he had to do because in many ways, unfortunately, he was forced into it from, from the kind of behavior of others. You know, and he had to still feed his family, and that, that's pretty much what he did. He still had some rules, he still had some honor, he still tried to be a respectful fellow, and, and he still wished to his dying day, literally, you know, that he would have a, a family that wouldn't have to be in that business anymore, that he would have a son at least that can go out and, and do something that he would consider legitimate, that, cause he understood that what he did was crime, you know, and even though he wasn't going to apologize for it. He made that pretty clear by literally saying, I don't apologize how I feed my family. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, he was like writing Christmas cards for himself and jumping up and down about, this is so great to be a mob boss. Because apparently it wasn't. You could see it in his face. You could see it in his body language. You could hear it in, in, in his thoughts. That That's not really what he wanted. And if it was so great, he would want it for the rest of his family, and he didn't. So uh, those are, of course, elements of, of, of positive humanity of somebody looking to try to get themselves out of it with the understanding they never can get out of it, but maybe the people that uh, became their offspring possibly can. Unfortunately, they didn't work out. They all they all got involved in it. Uh, I think it worked out in the third movie where at least uh, one or two of the children uh, wind up doing something that had nothing to do with the mob. So... Couple of generations later, I guess it helped out and worked out. But even then, that guy, the son who became the, the the boss of everything, was trying to get out of that business, trying to go legitimate, buy a company, and go about things. And they just kept, like he says in his own words, they kept dragging him back in. Unfortunately, but a lot of I think there's a lot of positive stuff about the about the film, nevertheless. And I've always uh, I've always treasured it. I own it. I, I had my son uh, for the first time. Now that he's old enough, watch it. Um, he doesn't always get everything. I, I told him he might take a couple of times to watch it, <laughs> but it was great for him to know it because it's important to know just for for cultural sake and, and, and for trivia's sake, even. And of course, one day you go to college, you don't want no one mentioning stuff, and then you don't even know what the hell they're talking about. So make sure he, yeah, he knows that. And of course, as you do know, uh, another another big film. That they came out with Goodfellas. It's more on the life of Henry Hill, who's an Irish guy, but I believe that he got involved in it because I think he had a, um, I think his mother was Italian. I think uh, there's a couple of, uh, of, of mobsters in that film where they were half Irish and half Italian, so they can never be made members, so to speak. But they were still, uh, you know, part of the crew and still did that that kind of uh, that kind of a lifestyle. And uh, that, a lot of that, was, of course, was true about what happened to him and in, in, in all that went on in in that type of world. And it kind of gives you a, a better idea of of um, 
I guess you could say the the Italian life in the in, in the sixties and seventies in particular. You got to see a lot of that. I love the uh, I love the movie where they try to get a really good, interesting spin on it, which calls the Bronx Tale. It's a movie that um, uh, Robert De Niro had uh, directed, and he had in uh, Chaz Palminteri, another wonderful Italian actor. He became the mobster in that movie, but this was a, a a family story of a different type, a family story of a man who has chosen to go the legitimate matter. He's a bus driver, happy doing that, making livings for his family. But his son gets a little bit more interested in what's going on with other Italians. They get caught up in the sexiness with all the glamour at all, even though his son is telling them, you know, and his father's telling them, this is not the way you want to go. This is this is definitely not it. His reasons why I don't do stuff like this, you know. And I know there was some autobiographical elements of the story because um, I, I think uh, De Niro had married a woman who was African-American in real life. And uh, the character in that particular movie was fond of someone that was African-American, a girl. And, uh, you know, he was he was ashamed that a lot of the people in his neighborhood just didn't have an understanding of blacks or didn't treat him properly or just didn't even understand what was going on. Sometimes too busy protecting their own and forgetting there's other groups that, that you know they're suffering in the, in the same in the same fashion that's always that disconnect sometimes with different groups especially in in, in a big city and um the character of the mobster was very interesting that they, they you really get to hear a lot of i guess you could say some of the the reasons why that person exists some of the way they operate in business and also in many ways the anger behind who they are. You don't always hear that in in The Godfather. When you do hear anger characters, they're usually just acting out of some kind of stupid motive. You're not really hearing psychologically the deep swell of where a person like that is coming from. And I like that film because that guy, I didn't like how he interacted with the Robert De Niro character because he was definitely disrespectful. In, in, in a real life setting, and I know why they did that, and it, it was good for the storyline, but in a real life setting, it's extremely rare for some mobster guy in real life, and I'm telling you, I was in a neighborhood with a lot of these people, they would never come up to some legitimate father and start berating him because his son was looking at the lifestyle. You know, they would just send him back to the son and say, here, have a good day, sorry about that, and that's it. They would never, never put down somebody who's legitimate. Never put down somebody Italian and then they own the neighborhood. They understood how, how dangerous that could be to even say something like that. Half the times their respect came from is that they still had respect for people who were legitimate. No, they didn't have respect for the law. No, if you involve yourself with them, you're definitely in danger. They're not going to have respect for you. But they still had a, a certain respect for the, for the community itself. There's certain places and certain things, and even certain things they wouldn't say. They would not go that far. I simply won't. It's just it would be unheard of, you know. Anyone I've ever met was about as as polite and as gentlemanly as you could possibly get. Even though I looked in their eyes, and you could see that they're friggin' murderers. Not hard to tell. Going, God Almighty, look at this guy. But they had that. Even if you might like my father called it, he says it's fake, but you know, accept it. I don't know if it's fake or not, but I'm telling you, I never saw that kind of behavior. So it was unusual for the film, but I liked it. I, I liked it for the film because it really, it really showed you a lot of the type of thinking of why people become that way. Because that man's literally, literally telling the De Niro character, the father of this son, the son that he wants to try to like 
get them a little bit more involved in the in the mob business in a, in a small way. Just you know, going around to the neighborhood and everything. Try to teach him some of his things, some of his ways, some of his ideas. And he's berating the father, saying that he's the sucker because he's got a stupid job and not making a whole lot of money and doesn't have power over his life and can't say this and can't do that and blah blah blah. That's important to hear because you understand in many ways how a lot of those people become that way. They don't buy into a system that they feel isn't really going to give them the kind of respect that they want. How true or how not true that is, quite frankly, that just depends on what decade you might be talking about in America. I don't know, maybe it's the 30s through the 50s? Yeah, maybe that's true. But, you know, as the Italians grew more into society and tried to sh shed themselves from that crap and got college degrees and got more into the system of things and everything like that, they didn't really have those same insecurities anymore. You really didn't have somebody about to leave high school saying, I can't wait to be a mobster. No. They might be saying, I can't wait to join the Navy. Or I can't wait to become a pipe fitter. Or, I can't wait to get my union card. Or I can't wait to go to college so I can be a scientist. The more of the options open up. And when that happens, you know, that that's really a, a decline in many ways for the mob. Because they're not getting... You know, the, the average people anymore coming in. You know, not getting anybody of any of the families anymore. So you, you're going to get, in many respects, just people that they want to be like that man. They, they'd rather uh, rationalize their anger and hatred and everything else by saying, I, I won't be accepted if I don't do this kind of lifestyle. That's really what that man was saying. And he was... And he was a much older man, too. He's not some young 30-year-old guy. This guy's in charge of that unit over there. He's easily somebody that was in their 50s already. Yet, the power in his face was a great actor, Chaz Palminteri, no doubt about it. And his look in his eyes, boy, they, not only did they own that role, but he made it extremely clear that it didn't matter if he was 5 or if he was 55, he still believed the same thing that he believed when he joined those, those mob people. That he had it made. That he had the right way to go. That the whole damn government and the whole damn society was corrupt anyway. So why should he be any differently? Why, he, why shouldn't he take an extra bite out of the pie? Why should he get stuck in a job that he feels that it's going to get nowhere for him? So that's 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 the life he lives, but it's also a life of danger and the violence, and and and, and suspicion, and and you can see all those things wear on that kid, wear on on the man that's teaching that kid that. Eventually, the kid understands and learns that this isn't for him. But I guess he needed that that flash of uh, of experience around people like that, and you know, and sometimes a, a father can only tell a, a son. So many things that they have to find out for themselves. You know? I was fortunate, although, mainly on a personal level, I was fortunate to never bother myself with those people because I always learned the first lesson that many people don't learn, that my father made it real clear to me, and I saw it. And when I saw it, that's, that's when I believed it. That in the end, people like that, you can call them all kinds of names, but in the end, people like that, they are not free. You don't have freedom in that lifestyle. You can't marry somebody without these people checking them out. You can't leave the state for a vacation without them wondering, 
Is he narking on us to the FBI? Hmm. Is he telling other people about us? Blah, blah, blah. You, you don't have a decision in your promotion no matter what you do. You don't have a decision on what kind of money you have. You'd be shocked to learn how many times these people don't make as much money as you think they do. You don't have any freedom. Your whole life is now part of this and you're being told what you have to do. Why do you think half the times they act as violently as they do? <laughs> half the times they're just pissed off because it's nothing like they ever thought it was going to be. They thought it was going to be some Hollywood movie or something. Well, it's not. That's the one reason and the only reason why I probably never bothered myself with them in any kind of serious way. Because I'm like, I'm a writer. There's things I want to see and things I want to do. How the hell am I going to do that with you idiots? Makes no sense. Not to mention, unlike them, who ultimately don't really believe in the American dream, and that's the problem with the criminal element of the Italian world, is they don't really believe. I do. I served my country in the military, and I still believe in that freedom on all sorts of levels. And I understand wholeheartedly that those type of people, they're prisoners of their lifestyle. They're hostages to the, the, the career they chose, and they can never get out of it unless they have a heart attack and die or somebody puts a bullet in their head. I don't know about you, but I'm not really interested in either one of those scenarios. I'm free, and they're not. I remember going back to the neighborhood after I got out of the Air Force. It was the last time I was in New Jersey before I left, and I've never been back since. Probably, let me see here, maybe 22 years since I left. Yep, I went back to the old neighborhood. I even saw some of the old people. I know a few of those people that are now involved with those people. Same crap. Same crap I saw when when I was younger. Now I see with somebody that's that's my age. Same thing. You just you're a slave to that system. You're a prisoner to that world. You you do have you don't have any freedom. You could run your mouth off, but you know, that's about all you can do. I met up with somebody that I knew. He's always had a mouth. He still had a mouth. And that's all he could say. Hey, I'm glad you got all those medals and went around the world, but, you know, some of us are still, uh, you know, keeping it keeping it real. I'm like, I don't know what you're keeping, and I don't know what's real for you because uh, I got a college education, and I've seen 32 countries, and uh, you never went past high school. You work for crooks, and you got a, you got a suit that I can even buy better. So I'm not really sure what you're talking about. He asked me to leave the neighborhood. He didn't exactly put it in those words. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I have no problem to do that. Because unlike you, I'm a free man. I can do whatever I want. No one's going to be pushing me around. I get a boss I don't like. I tell him to go screw himself and I quit my job and I go get another one. That's what free men do. Unlike you, you say something like to your boss and you're going to be in the river. So that's that's the life of people like that. 
unfortunately, we continue to glamorize it in the movies uh, because uh, I guess it makes money and makes people interested. But there's nothing interesting about that lifestyle, folks, and nothing sexy about it at all. I'm good to see that we have a number of actors, though, that made something from it, at least. <laughs> you got little Joe Pesci over there. He's in almost every tiny movie possible. Doing a, a, always a doing a, a wonderful job, but you can see that somebody that it can snap in a second, from from being the jokester to being a killer in in about five seconds. Now I definitely did want to remind everyone's I, I was mentioning that earlier as a, as a joke, but it, you know it's true too. My my father used to always say, you know, if you're going to talk about any of these idiots, you make sure you talk about the geniuses of the Italian culture too. The Michelangelo's and the, the Da Vinci's and the, you know, I'm like, yeah, I got you. You know, I mean, I can tell you right now, you could go to you could go to Google on Wiki on Wikipedia. Just look on the Italian scientists just in the 20th century. There's 53 of them listed. I think they ran out of pages on the internet for how many Italian scientists they have. You know, so. You have to wonder when people believe these stereotypes. Uh, I don't know. Do they not know that you know one of our scientists, Fermi, uh, you know, helped invent the atomic bomb here in America? You know, a nuclear scientist. Does that sound like he's a gangster? Does that sound like we're stupid? No, of course not. One of our scientists, Marconi, he has to guy that invented the radio. We got we got a scientist by the name of Gino Connie. This is the guy that's considered the father of the X-ray laser astronomy. That's right. It's so it's it's so it's so deep that even I don't completely understand it. And I'm and I'm I'm a pretty smart guy. All right, we got incredible folks over here. Almaldi is the one that started the whole European space program, and and it goes on and on and on. One of one of the Rossi's, uh, uh, one of the people that helped build the, the special telescope that we're using out there to look at the stars. So you, you got a, a culture full of, of musicians and artists and scientists, and I guess it's just not sexy enough to have them in American cinema. People fall asleep. Oh, McCartney, yeah, okay. But I like to talk about Marco Polo all day, really. They maybe sing the song, but I don't think they're talking too much about how he brought the East to the West, how the, the noodles he brought from China helped entire, entirely alter our culture. In Italy, to where things like spaghetti and and pasta and, and raviolis and everything, these are all forms invented from those noodles we brought from China, and we created it ourselves. He brought gunpowder gun out from China, and we invented the pistol in the town called Pistola. Can you believe that? For some strange reason, the the Chinese only used the gunpowder to fire rockets. And they used it to scare people in battle. But they never actually made a rocket that would hurt somebody or a gun or any other kind of projectile. It's just simply of the fireworks type. So it's an unusual thing how that somebody else had taken that and, and created something else. Yeah, I know. We, we invented the pistol and we have a stereotype of violence and this is not helping the stereotype. Probably not, but hey, the history is history and the truth is the truth. So who's to who's to say that um, you know there might not be uh, you know a kernel of truth and in, in sometimes in, in stereotypes that people have about individuals probably is but doesn't mean it's all true though and and that's how I like to that's how I like to look at it. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this uh, um, 
American, uh, Italian Americans in, in, in American cinema. So it's, I, I really uh, enjoy talking about all of that, kind of giving you the good and the bad of it all, and, and just really having some, some fun with it as much as you possibly can these days. Because, you know, we're living in America right now. You say anything cultural strangely, and 3,000 people are protesting and, and knocking down Christopher Columbus. Which, by the way, folks, leave his statue alone, okay? A wonderful Italian man who did not even discover America. So you can't say that he did anything bad here. He never even came here, okay? He came to Puerto Rico. So if someone wants to get angry at them, maybe it should be over in Puerto Rico. But it should definitely not be in Chicago or in, uh, or anywhere else in, the, in America, okay? So don't mess with his statue. It definitely upsets me that for people to do that. Go find somebody that really is bad if you have to do that stupid nonsense. But... Don't find anybody that didn't do anything wrong, all right? We're just putting somebody up there that we're proud of as an explorer, all right? It's not that difficult to understand. All right, folks, until next time, we have a lot of shows that's going to be coming up here. Um, for the rest of the month of of August, though, we're looking at the, uh, the, the show called The Global Power That Is India. It's pretty much going to be a show talking about the India that's now. And it's going to be a, a really amazing and interesting because... Uh, many people have ideas about India that maybe are from 30 or 40 years ago. You might want to call them stereotypes. Sometimes you might just call them just outdated, and that, and that really is it. Because I don't think anyone's actually trying to be racist when they say these things. But it's a lot more advanced, a lot more modern, and a lot, lot more powerful than anyone has ever realized. So it's going to be interesting to talk about all that. I've made so many Indian acquaintances. And believe it or not, it's going to be one of the few few countries that I will be talking about on this show over the next few months that I haven't been to yet. Just never got around to going there. Uh, part, partly is because it didn't have an Air Force base. <laughs> Although I can't conceive of a U.S. Air Force base in India. But you never know. One day, the way China is going, it might be possible. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be against it anyway. But... um. Yeah, I'd like to go there one day. I'd like to go there one day before I die. I think it'll be interesting. I've been to Italy plenty of times, but never India. So it would definitely be fascinating. And that's going to be a great show. We've got some other stuff coming up. we got a wonderful interview coming up for the later part of uh, next month. I also wanted to, to do a, a, a show on, on the writer uh, C.S. Lewis. And we have a, a couple other ones that's going to be coming up that we're going to be talking about. And so I'm pretty excited. The mixture of um, Strength to be Human and, of course, uh, our other flagship show, uh, Mind Speak. All right, folks, until then, God bless you all. Thank you for your support in the emails. It's going to be fun to have an email show here and probably in another month or two because it's going to be a real mixture of so many different things, and it'll, it'll definitely sound interesting and, 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 and fascinating. All right, until next time, folks, God bless and good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.